Welcome to Pod Talk, brought to you courtesy of the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board. Join the team from the Midwest Farm Report as we talk to soybean growers from every corner of Wisconsin about farm and market conditions, research, biodiesel, and the challenges of each soybean crop. Welcome to another Wisconsin Soy Pod update. I'm Pam Yonking, joined in studio today by Dr. Damon Smith, our University Extension Plant Pathologist. Now, you've seen Damon out and about uh, presenting a lot of different information, most recently about things like white mold, also a developer of some very valuable apps that a lot of Wisconsin farmers, really farmers across the United States, are using as a tool in the field. Let's talk a little bit more about not just what they've been doing, but where they're going in 2024. Damon, go back a little bit and remind people that maybe have never visited with you outside of an individual issue. When did you come to Wisconsin? Tell us a little bit about what the terrain looked like for Wisconsin soybeans when you arrived. Yeah, it was uh, over 11 years ago, actually, when I got here. Yeah, yeah, I came from Oklahoma State, where I'd been working on uh, sclerotinia down there, uh, and wanted to continue the train on sclerotinia, which is the causal agent of white mold. And you know, when I got here, I was I was challenged actually by some farmers on the board because, um, you know, they, they would bring up, hey, we're doing all this great research at the UW, and then a lot of times it gets published and just sits on the shelf, right? And it sort of really changed my perspective when I got here about how do we think about our research and how do we actually get that research out to the farmers, you know? And and it was sort of the perfect storm for me because as we were get as I was getting here, um, iPhones. And apps were really starting to take off, and I just sort of put two and two together and said, you know, that that's one way we can probably get, you know, research out in the hands of the farmer. And when you arrived, I mean, even though we might have been dealing with white mold, I'm not sure that a lot of people understood it. They knew something was going on, but didn't necessarily know what and that that really was in your wheelhouse. Yeah, we we when I got here, there was a lot of um, just. There was some testing on fungicides and some of those things, but we didn't really understand all the biology and ecology involved. And so we we did also step back and sort of take a more basic look at, you know, what's going on with varieties, what's going on with the pathogen, and then how do we put the two together? So we did uh, quite a bit of just ecology work, just trying to understand how the fungus interacts with this with the soybean plant. And that also helped inform, you know, our tools and things as we move forward uh, on the app side. So... Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, when I got here, we were we were recommending fungicides at R1, the beginning of flowering, and, and we've watched the transition over time now. And this is why research uh, is, is just really important. We have to continue to push forward because, it, you know, things change all the time, right? And, and in order to be on top of it, we, we need that research data to, to really inform our decisions. And we've, we've watched it change. Now we're at R3 applications where we're spraying in really dense canopies. We're recommending lower uh, seeding rates now for soybeans. So a lot's changed in that 11 years since I've been here. You know, another thing that's kind of changed is the number of people in Wisconsin that are interested in soybean research. I always call you guys the dream team. Dr. Sean Conley, Rodrigo Worley, you. Tell people a little bit about the young people I say that I'm I'm he's far younger than me, folks. The young people that are coming up behind you that show the same kind of passion, the same kind of interest in this kind of research. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of you probably see us sort of at meetings and things, you know, where we're talking about the research that we're doing, and and you know, probably the other side of it is we're working with students, right? And one of the great things about marketing board research is we've been able to fund quite a few students coming through, and those students now are faculty and really the next generation of, of soybean uh, scientists around the country. 
and I've had the pleasure of having, um, you know, now, now three students that were funded on marketing board, uh, research now, uh, they're, they're now faculty. So I have, um, uh, one at, uh, Michigan state, another one at, uh, university of Minnesota and another one at North Dakota, and they're all doing sclerotinia work, trying to understand, you know, soybean, uh, pathology and all those sorts of things. And so, it's been a pleasure to watch, and we, we really appreciate um, the, the, you know, the avenues that have been opened up for us uh, by, by uh, you know, soybean, soybean checkoff dollars. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing is you've got some talented scientists on the bench right now that are, like you said, maybe don't get quite the attention that you guys do, but their work is extremely valuable. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's foundational work for us that helps, uh, you know, Sean and Rodrigo and myself uh, formulate the recommendations that we're going to be, you know, moving forward with a lot of times. And so uh, right now I have a couple of students uh, at the bench uh, doing some really great work. uh, And and we're using that work right now to, you know, put together winter meetings, uh, you know, formulate next year's management uh, what what is our research going to look like for for 2024 and all that kind of stuff? So it's it's uh, really great to watch them come through, and you know we we even have some young new faculty at UW that have come out of some other universities, and they're going to be uh, helping us too with some of these issues with you know water quality and soil conservation and all these things that we're we're dealing with all the time here in here in Wisconsin. Well, like you said, it's a changing dynamic all the time. Again, Dr. Damon Smith in studio with us, our University Extension Plant Pathologist. If you've ever picked up the Sporecaster, that is an example of work that Damon and his team have pulled together. And as you said, 11 years ago when you arrived, that was just coming on. And it's not a one-and-done situation with you. Tell people a little bit of how you're always refining, listening to producers, figuring out what the next version has to, has to offer. Yeah, we, we learned a lot out of that, too. That was our first, you know, sort of rodeo into the app side of things. And it took us a lot of, a lot of time to build it. And um, we, we blazed the trail along the way. Um, but now, you know, we have that framework in place. And so it's been great because now we can uh, reiterate the models every year. And so every year we continue to pull in data and then we uh, rework things and then we uh, make updates to the tool. So while you don't maybe necessarily see too much on the front end or the user interface that happens on the the app side, uh, there's there's a lot that happens on the back end every year in terms of updates improvements. And so all this data and support that we get from the marketing board helps continue that iterative process. So it isn't just something that we develop and then sort of set it down and walk away from it. We realize that, you know, environment's changing. We have to, you know, our management techniques are changing. We're constantly trying to incorporate some things. As an example, we just, um, we're going to actually be incorporating some things this winter looking at uh, just just threshold levels for susceptible and resistant uh, varieties. So that's something we've heard farmers ask for. We realize that certain varieties don't respond the same. Some of them have improved resistance. Some of them are more susceptible. And so we can actually offset the tool uh, based on that resistance level. And again, that was work that was funded by the by the marketing board to help uh, inform that tool. And you mentioned you built it. You got the nuts and bolts together. And from that, it's not just Damon that is using the apps. Dr. Sean Connolly is using the apps. I mean, you guys are all uh, working off each other for the betterment of the soybean growers. Yeah, we're we're in this age, you, you, you know, we talk about big data sets and machine learning. We're all working in this space now. And so what eventually is going to happen, I mean, the ultimate vision is to have all these data layers, you know, white mold models, you know, planting prediction models, 
seating rate mod, all these things that, you know, should be layered together in one big user interface that a farmer can sit down uh, in the morning um, and be able to get a, a well-rounded uh, and efficient recommendation on what they need to do that day. And that recommendation is then prioritized uh, yeah. by what's what's current and going on. So, you know, we got a long way to go to get there, uh, but we're all actively working in that space, trying to get together and get all this data into one spot. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Sean Conley's talked about it before, uh, prescription by feel, literally getting down to, you know, if not an acre, even a smaller increment as time goes on. Let me ask you about uptake from producers. You mentioned the app. How many, when's the last time you looked at how many people downloaded it, uh, that type of thing, because it started as a trickle. And then, like I said, apps are not geographic specific. It's not like you can only get it in Wisconsin. You've got people all over the place that are tapping into it. Yeah. Yeah. So when we first started, you know, for us in Wisconsin, white mold is really important, right? We spend a lot of time trying to manage this particular disease. But um, if you back out sort of region and nationally, um, you know, it's it's really kind of a regional problem, right? So it's more of a Great Lakes issue, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, Northern Illinois, kind of that. That's kind of the quadrant. And so initially, adoption was rather low. I think some of that is because of the regionality. You know, it's not a nationwide problem. Uh, and, and then folks were, at that time, kind of unfamiliar with apps. We didn't do a lot of app stuff, right? And now we're, I mean, we basically, everything revolves around the smartphone and apps now, right? Yeah. And so that's changed. And then uh, folks have seen what we've been able to do. And, you know, we have seen white mold acreage, (laughs) in air quotes, acreage change. Uh, We're seeing it it sort of spread and become more of an issue in some other areas. So we've got widespread adoption. Last time we looked, you know, there's well over six or 7,000 folks using it. Um, And those are updated phones. So that means uh, folks are actually you have to sort of look at what actually gets downloaded and what actually gets updated because what gets updated tells us that those apps remain on the phone and are getting used. And we can see from our forecast that, you know, we're running three, 400 forecasts a day um, uh, in in the major part of the season. So it's getting used and, and probably widespread use. And I get calls all the time from folks in other states just asking questions about how it works and all that kind of stuff. Well, you're leading, that's for sure. Dr. Damon Smith in studio with us. He is, again, our University Extension Plant Pathologist. Welcome to the Wisconsin Soy Pod Update. I'm Pam Yankee. Uh, this program brought to you courtesy of our Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board, always reminding our soybean growers where their checkoff dollars are being invested and the returns that they're getting on that investment. That's why we're speaking with Dr. Smith today. Let's talk a little bit about then where we're going from here, because you mentioned layers, and that's really what uh, our team here in Wisconsin has worked on for more than a decade, creating those layers of information, sharing between one another. Now, when you take a look at uh, 2024, Damon, what kinds of trends are you noticing? What kinds of projects are your students interested in pursuing? Yeah, soybean diseases continue to be um, kind of on the forefront of my program, and we we continue to get quite a few questions. We've seen, you know, on, on the variety side of things, we've seen um, advances in terms of traits. And when traits come on, we see rapid changes in varieties, right? And so in the, over the last three or four years, we've seen some varieties come on that are high yielding and have some of these new herbicide traits in them, but don't necessarily have the disease resistance. And so we continue to get a lot of questions on disease management. We're seeing uh, frog eye leaf spot, which yeah. when I got here 11 years ago was sort of a non-issue. Yeah. Now we have to you know, actively manage that. Um, we're, we're seeing ongoing issues with Phytophthora and also yeah. Pythium on soybeans. 
Uh, so we have some active research there. And then white mold continues to be, you know, a really important piece there among a couple other uh, soybean diseases. So, um, you know, a lot of active work going on in my program and, and a lot of active collaborations also with, with Dr. Sean Conley. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk also in the decade plus that you've been here, the way that we approach white mold, pythium, some of that we've kind of maybe seen it in spots in a field, but we'd never necessarily thought of it as something that needed attention before I even put the seed in the ground. Tell me about the changes or the evolution you've seen in biological. Now we're paying more attention to naturally uh, occurring situations that we might be able to amp up to help us. I mean, it's a different way to look at things. It is. You know, we were, you know, hell, when I got here 11 years ago, seed treatments weren't readily used, I would say, you know, maybe, maybe 50%, you know, we're getting seed treatments. That's, you know, we're better than 95% now, right? So uh, we've done some seed treatment work that, and that's especially important. And we, we have some active work right now funded by the marketing board, looking at uh, Pythium and Phytophthora and the seedling and, and kind of early to mid-season diseases. Yeah. Uh, that shows some stand decline, and, and we've been looking at uh, both seed treatments and then variety uh, resistance. And part of that um, project is actually sampling and trying to understand the population around the state of, of these uh, organisms, right? If we can understand that population, then we can better inform the pre-plant decisions, mm-hmm. uh, i.e. The, the seed treatments and the varieties that we should be using, because there are some single gene type resistances available out there, which give us sort of some forms of immunity, for lack of a better uh, mm-hmm. term for that. And so if we, if we can really wrap our head around that distribution, we can then tailor those management recommendations on it. You know, ideally, we'd like to be at the field level, but even yeah. just regionally right now would be, would be huge for us. So uh, you know, that's just one example of where we're kind of headed there. We also have another project um, that we're um, uh, looking at where we're trying to understand biological control and specifically biological control of sclerotia which are these survival structures that uh, give rise to white mold. And if we could break down those uh, survival structures in the soil, that would give us fewer um, infectious propagules in season. And there's a couple of products out there. One of them has a scientific name, Coney Ethereum, which is um, complicated to say, but fun. And and that one has shown really good kind of consistency. You know, from one year to the next, we can kind of replicate um, the results, which is really important. We've looked at some other biologicals out there, and sometimes you get a response and sometimes you don't, and it's hard to get the lay of the land. But this particular one we're, we're kind of excited about. And the other interesting thing about it is there are naturally occurring populations of this particular organism. And so we'd like to better understand how can we sort of augment what we're doing management-wise in the field to boost those naturally occurring populations as well or maintain populations that we have inoculated intentionally to try to break down uh, those, those sclerotia. So we're looking at that. That is sort of a pre-plant spray type deal. You, you, you put it on, actually the best results are come in after you take the soybean crop off in the fall, spray it on, and then do a light incorporation, um, you know, before the, before the ground freezes. And that gives that, it's an, actually another fungus, and that gives that other fungus some time to actually uh, parasitize those sclerotia by the time we get to the, get to the following spring. So kind of an interesting uh, product. Uh, we've been doing some work there. And, and you know, thing, work like that can also be used to inform these data layers too, right? And so, if, well, you know, when we look at sort of the dream of layering all these management recommendations together, this can also be part of that whole decision-making process. Do you like the product development out there, Damon? I mean, one thing that agriculture is stymied by is 
not as many new products in the pipeline as there was two decades ago, longer to get them going, fewer companies that are interested in it. You know, when you start talking about that kind of a biological, I mean, it it would seem to be empowering to the producer because you're not obliging necessarily to some big research company. Yeah, we're we're also seeing increased restrictions too on products out there right now. In fact, there's a few products under review right now at the EPA, so we're we're watching that situation closely. And so, you know, if you look at the conventional um, synthetic fungicides, for example, the world I work in, you know, we're not seeing a lot of pipeline development, or at least the pipeline development that's happening, we're probably not going to see products come to to market for for some time, right? And so we do, we need other ways uh, of, of combating these things. It's really going to be sort of a multi-pronged approach and really kind of going back to the basics and not forgetting, you know, some of the older work that's been done just on variety development, where these resistance genes are that we know are in there, making sure they remain in varieties, uh, looking at some of the new stuff like the biological controls because they're, they're going to be um, less of an issue in terms of regulation and some of those things. And then, you know, when it comes to, you know, genetic um, modification or genetic engineering, any way you want to look at it, I think that has to be part of the equation, right? And we have ways of engineering plants that can help, you know, fight these things. But, you know, we really need to do a really good job of uh, educating the consumers as well as ourselves on how these tools can be used. And I really think they can be used, um, you know, in a, in a more sustainable way to help us uh, not only reduce inputs, but just just produce soybean crop more sustainably. Right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, like we said, going forward, the the challenges that you see and how important farmer input is to you. That's something else that I don't know that is always as obvious as it is to me because I get to work with you guys and I know how important one comment, one email, one phone call can mean, can be when you're sitting in your office by yourself. You, you think about these things. Help people understand how critical it is that farmers continue to engage with you guys, continue to tell you about individual problems they're noticing, and use what you put out there to help keep generating this, these layers. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the one of the pleasures of the, of the position that I'm in at UW is that I'm not only a, a professor and faculty member at the university, but I also have this extension appointment. And that really keeps me grounded uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the, you know, soybean farmer side of things, right? We, we actually joke in our department that we, we keep one foot in the furrow and one hand on the bench. And I really pride myself on that. And so, you know, any chance I can get to be out and interacting with farmers is great because that's where a lot of my researchable ideas come from, right? So you all talking to me uh, about the challenges you're having, and that helps us think about what we could do to, you know, address those issues. And, you know, a lot of what I hear ends up being a grant proposal to the marketing board, right? And so that's how we, we get things funded, and that's how we uh, start to attempt to solve some of these really big challenges that we have um, from a, from a farmer perspective out there. So um, that's been great. And of course, you know, we hear a lot of bad stuff sometimes, you know, when it comes to apps. But I just got done last week with our, our statewide update tour uh, where we ride around and talk to farmers and consultants and things, and, and at least at each location. So we had four locations and folks came up to me at least once at each of those locations and told me how great the apps were, right? You know, and we've got some other apps and some of the other crops I, I deal with too. And, 
you know, folks are really finding uh, them useful. Uh, they're they're finding them um, to to be you know economic improve the economic sustainability of their farm and all those sorts of things. So that that's really rewarding to be able to hear those things. And you know, I think we all like to appreciate um, or hear you know appreciation for what we're doing. And I you know. I really like hearing those those stories yeah. and impacts. Yeah. yeah. Well, we should we should tell them. I mean, I act like everybody knows this. Tell them where they can download for both Apple and Android your Sporecaster and and whatever other apps you think are appropriate uh, given the soybean marketing board support. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's um, quite a few apps out there actually. So I'm also the director of the nutrient pest management program on yeah. UW campus, and and they they actually have a web page. So if you Go to ipcm.wisc.edu. You'll be able to find lots of resources on that page. But one of the resources right at the top is apps. And if you click that drop down, there's actually over 10 different app tools out there. You know, not all of them are soybean. There's, you know, things across nutrient management, water quality. There's other disease management tools uh, for other crops and some things there. But, yeah, we've really been at the forefront of app development here. And, And that goes back again, you know, since before I even got to UW, you know. And so, you know. Going out, finding some of that stuff. Uh, we we also have some information on that website about how the apps work. So you know you can go to the App Store and and download them. You know on your iPhone or go to the Google Play Store and, and bring it down for your Android. But the IPCM website really tells you how those things work. So if you're curious to understand where the research came from and all those sorts of things, you know you can you can go to that ipcm.wisc.edu website. Integrated pest. Integrated pest, pest and crop, crop management. management. I, yep. That that'll help you remember IPCM. Yep. That's uh, that's where you want to start. And you know everybody's been talking about it, Damon, and you're kind of alluding to it how the smartphone and apps have changed to a large extent not only what we know, but how we can handle things. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. Do you guys ever get in conversations? You mentioned earlier about AI, mm-hmm. uh, artificial intelligence, and we've we've been swimming it in an agriculture for a long time. Now it's a catchphrase for everybody. How do you see that influencing your research and maybe motivating you or inspiring you going forward? Big time. It's motiv- it's motivating myself and, and Sean and Rodrigo. We're, we're all uh, really active in this space. And in fact, uh, Sean and I are working on a collaboration right now with a computer engineer on UW campus to really um, try to figure out how do we get to that ultimate dream where we go to one place, pull down all of these data layers, and make uh, you know s- decisions that are really weighted against the priorities that we have for that day, right? So being able to pull all this information in. I've read some things about, you know, if we look five to 10 years out, we, we might not even be using apps in an iPhone anymore to make decisions. We might be talking to some voice controlled thing, you know, like a pin or something like that, where we're just having a conversation and we're asking, you know, this, this machine learning tool or artificial intelligence tool, if you will, Hey, what do I need to do today? And that thing's going to chug through all this data really quick and be able to make that um, recommendation for you. But we've got a long way to get there. We're starting to get these layers in, but how do we actually aggregate the layers? There's some computing power issues too with crunching all that, all this data in real time. Uh, so that's where the computer engineers come in as how do we get over those hurdles. And then there's data ownership things. So there's just some of this lawyer stuff that we all have to sort of get over too. And we have to trust each other. I think that's that's the other key, you know. And Sean and I have been trying to um, delve into this area where, you know, data ownership, who owns data, who has the rights to that data, and all that kind of stuff. Because the only way we're going to be able to accomplish these things is is by working together. Yep. 
It's been a theme since he showed up, and even well before then. Dr. Damon Smith in studio with us. He's our University Extension plant pathologist and a major partner with the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board when it comes to not only what we got done this growing season and taking the lessons we learned, marching it forward into 2024, but like he said, you have to be a little bit of a visionary. What is agriculture going to look like? in Wisconsin and beyond our borders in the future, and what can we do today to try to get a better control on all of it? Dr. Damon Smith in studio. Again, University Extension Plant Pathologist. This program brought to you courtesy of your Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board. Those are the folks that take a look at the great ideas, the plans, the projects that uh, Dr. Damon Smith, Dr. Rodrigo Worley, Dr. Sean Conley, and others are uh, looking forward to helping Wisconsin soybean growers for the best crop and best outcome uh, in the future. So like we said, if you want to be involved, just go to the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board website. You can find that uh, information there. And like uh, Damon said, you can also go to the IPCM website if you want to find those apps and some of those tools that have been made available courtesy of your soybean checkoff dollars. I'm Pam Yankee. Thanks for joining Pod Talk, a podcast by Wisconsin Soybean Farmers for Wisconsin Soybean Farmers. For more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit wisoybean.org or wherever you consume your podcasts.